have a declaration. Everybody stand. We've done this song one time. It's really a declaration of what we believe. Amen. Those walls that sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died. Walls of rubble now. Remember those giants we called death and grave? They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now.
sit down. That was great saying. <laughs> We are men. We need more than just the mundane. Something more than the boring, repetitive life that seems to find us all. We need a fight. A battle in which victory is not guaranteed. A challenge that will take everything we have to give. And then some. The Navy SEALs are elite special operations soldiers who conduct unconventional covert warfare. They are set apart because they live their lives by a code a simple ethos that defines their mission. Join us as we engage with an extraordinary group of Navy SEALs that have chosen to be set apart in a different way, as followers of Jesus. These SEALs will discuss timeless biblical principles that will help all men step into the life God has for them. I am a common man. I am a common man. I am a common man. With an uncommon life. With an uncommon life. Right. Okay, that is for the men. Our Man Up is coming this Tuesday night. We start our new season, and we'd like to encourage all of you to come. Um, and if you can, let us know ahead of time so we know how much food to prepare, because I don't share mine with anybody. So we'd like for you to come. All right, it's good to be back. If you're a guest today, your first, second, maybe third time, please fill out the registration and drop that in the offering plate. Um, if I look a little bit different up here, it's because I, I have had a rough week with the backs. Most of you probably don't know that, but I mean debilitating pain. Left two or three days ago. And so today, see my, see my socks? None. You know why? Because I don't want to bend over to put socks on with my back. So I got me a couple of, I got me a pair of Skechers and you can, that are made for that and you just slide in them. Don't have to bend over. Hey, there's a lot of easy stuff out there if you just look. All right. So anyway, again, we're thankful that you're here. And uh, if you would pay attention to a few special things, um, focus on the family. That is going to be a dynamic Friday and a Saturday, half a day Saturday. It, it, they're going to be it's a marriage conference. And it, you know, it's for those that have a good one, those that might need some help. It is really an excellent, excellent um, time. And Focus on the Family is a big national organization, been around forever, and they do a tremendous job. And then we have baptism coming up, if you would like to uh, be able to sign up for that. I think next Sunday is the, I teach the membership class. Uh, do do y'all see that anywhere? Membership? Yeah, on the very back, next, next Sunday. All right, and then we've got in there again the love letter from your worship team, God speaking to hearts about, you know, what you can do, um, helping up here on the, on the platform, and we would love to have the Lord speak to you, and you make that decision. All right. Everybody happy? About as happy as you can get. All right. Let's stand. Welcome somebody around you to church. When giants 
good to, amen? What a God, what a God. Deeper still as you call 
are so thankful that we have a perfect heavenly father that loves us so unconditionally. God, we worship you with our hearts and our souls, with all that we are today. God, we know we don't deserve it, but yet you give your love away to us. We are so thankful this morning. God, as we take our time to take up our tithes and our offerings, Lord, we pray you would use it for your glory, for your benefit, for, for those who all know the perfect love of the Father. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. God bless you with discomfort. Discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your heart. May God bless you with anger anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears. Tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. May God bless you with foolishness. Enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world. Others claim cannot be done. That's a good uh, video to introduce, really, the uh, series that I'm going to be starting on. Um, I guess I'm a radical. Um, we're going to be talking about some things in the church for us personally and as a church that, that we need to be thinking about to reach uh, people for the Lord. But before that, um, let you know, I, uh, I try to make light of it as we all do, but the uh, four or five days this week was pretty intense. Uh, I was in the bed, curled up like a little baby with my legs pulled up, trying to get relief uh, somewhere, somehow from my back. And one of those days that I was lying there and praying, of course, a lot, you know, and um, I just felt like the Lord saying to me, 
you know, you, if, I'm your daddy, you know, and I'm going to take care of you. And uh, even though you're getting old, you're still a child to me. So I'll do this song for you. could hear your voice the first time that you cried and though you couldn't see me I was very near and there's something now I want you to hear you will always be a child in my eyes when you need some love my arms are open wide and even when you're growing old I hope you realize you will always be a child in my eyes and I was there the first time that you prayed and I heard all the promises you made when for me crying father I have sinned I picked you up held you close again and you will always be a child in my eyes when you need some love my arms are open wide and Even when you're growing old I hope you realize You will always be a child in my eyes Sing the chorus with me You will always be a child in my eyes When you need some love, my arms are open wide. And even when you're growing old, I hope you realize you will always be a child in my
Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I've been struggling with what has God got planned for me in the church, and this is what I came up with. And it's the fact that, and, and hear me, that I need to be more radical. I don't mean out there weird stuff. I'm talking about just so connected to the Lord and the Holy Spirit that we see him moving and working in our individual lives, you know, and in, in the church life. And one of the things that God has put into my heart uh, over the years, and it, it's taken like 42 years, but one of the things that I believe that he's given to me in my heart is that, that we have a great need in the church today for compassion. And so I'm going to be talking about having radical compassion. And please listen, because of this, this is over a series of months and things that I would think and I'd go write them down and things that I'd think, go write them down. And, and this is how it comes out. Um, I want to read a passage today. Take me about a minute and a half to read it. Uh, it was too long to put in your bulletin. So in Luke chapter 10 and in verse 25, um, I want to read a very important story that kind of summarizes how Christ not only sees um, how the church should be, but how we should be individually. So today, if you've come and your Christian life, now you're, you're struggling with feeling, uh, having feelings for people and compassion for them, then I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming, and I believe the Lord will bless us. Well, when I talk again about um, having a radical compassion, uh, I'm not talking about having that at the expense of biblical truth. You, I hope you know that by now, that that supersedes everything. So now let me read to you a passage, and then we're going to make about five quick points from that to apply them. <clears throat> to me, an amazing story. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, what's written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, well, you've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But he, speaking of the lawyer, wanting to justify himself to Jesus, said, who's my neighbor? Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Crystal River to home. No, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, and left him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, gave a look passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan came to him where he was. And when he saw him, he had what church? Compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I'll repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. 
And Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's an amazing story. He talks out, starts out talking about what do I need to have in, for eternal life and ends up with how do I treat people? And, and understanding as we go through this, that when it talks about a lawyer, it means a, a person who understood the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, not a civil governmental law, but the Old Testament law. And I'll explain this. And the Levite, by the way, a Levite was someone that worked for the priest. They, they, um, the priest was the honcho, and they had people, Levites, that were their, well, they call it temple assistants that, that would help them. Now, to me, this is an amazing story because here Jesus is challenging something that I really believe is so true. Folks, we can focus so much on what is in our mind, and we forget to focus on what should be in our heart. And you, we can do that as a church. We can do that as a leader. And the Bible said here, a certain lawyer, he stands up. He, he wants to test Jesus. Here was a man that had unbelievable, probably intellectual capacity. He knew scripture, could quote it probably frontwards and backwards. And he tests Jesus. And I want you to get this. Instead of Jesus going head to head with him, he went head to heart to tell him a story. And we spend millions, billions maybe of dollars educating people in their mind. And we spend next to nothing trying to change their heart so that they can live the way God has called them to live. Now, five things as I told you, I want to go through them. These are the things that Christians or people who have compassion, these are five things that they won't forget. Okay, you got that? Five things that they won't forget. Number one, um, Christian people, people with radical compassion, will never forget the pain of when they came to Christ or how God delivered them, if that's what happened. What is, you know, when I read this, the thing that, that strikes me about this priest and this Levite that they did that was so painful, are you listening? They walked right by somebody that they should have stopped and helped, right? And ministered to. They just said, I don't want to get involved. And so they, they, they pass to the other side of the road. And folks, when I, even as a pastor, when I forget the pain of what it, what the things that the Lord has allowed me to go through, and you forget what you went through, whether it's a, a relationship problem or something or, or physical or back or whatever, when we forget that, we tend to not be as compassionate to other people. And so what I'm going to be saying today, a lot of things are things that we need to recoup um, in our hearts and in, in our attitudes. Um, and by the way, I don't know about you, but it was a great day when I realized my sins are forgiven and they're gone and, and, and they'll never be brought up again. That is an amazing day. We don't want to forget that. But I think sometimes we're so familiar with what we are and, and, and what people think we, that we are to be. And, and we don't become a person that is just in love with the Lord anymore. Does that make sense? I'm trying to tell you things that I've written down over, over months. And I don't know why that happens, but I believe it's because we, we end up and we forget. Now, James 5 and verse 19. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truths, don't write them off. What do we usually do in the church? Write them off. Go after them. Get them back, if you can, of course. And you would have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Sometimes God doesn't want us to think about it. God doesn't want us to talk about it. He wants us to do it. 
in showing compassion to people. And he wants us to go after them. And by the way, this is what I've been talking about that the Lord has placed in my heart. I hope to be able to maybe build a fire in yours is there is an urgency about this. As I've been teaching on Wednesday nights about the, you know, about the, the, the dire condition that we're in, I'm getting more and more and more and more during the day saying, look, we've got to do something. You know, and I don't mean we saving them. I mean us living in front of them, sharing Christ with them, and so that they can see that there is an option, that there is hope for all the things that they're dealing with. So number one, you got that one, right? All right, let's go quickly to number two. People who show radical compassion will never forget that turning the hearts of others is our business. I would challenge every ministry, the children, the youth, the men, the women, the seniors, the widow groups, any, any other groups, the, the, uh, yeah, seniors, anybody, anybody in those groups, my challenge would be that we understand that, yes, it is great that we come together. Yes, there is a biblical foundation and basis for fellowship, but what we need to be doing is turning the hearts of people. They may even be in, them group, in those groups and, and coming, but we need to be sensitive about what's happening in their heart and, and try to, if we can, find that and ask the Lord. You remember, it says, if you, if you, and I've been doing this, if you need wisdom, he said, ask me. I won't, re, I'll, you know, and I'll, I will show you. And I've been really trying to do that a lot lately. Unfortunately, in this situation, um, the priest and the Levite forgot the purpose of their call. The priest sees this need, and he walks by on the other side. And what I find interesting is, you know, I've got a couple of really great books on Jewish culture and history at this time, and one of them was this. The priest, of course, as I said, was, was the, kind of the head guy. And the Levites were assigned to them to help them in, in doing their duties. And what I find interesting is, one of the commentaries on this said, that the Levite will always follow suit of the priest. If the priest walked to the other side, the Levite would follow him. He wouldn't do it on his own. And by the way, a, a Levite would never walk side by side with the priest. They would always walk behind them and, one commentary said, in cadence. In other words, if that priest walked in a certain ba-boom, 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 so did the Levite. Um, that they were just that connected to them. And some, you say, well, what does that have to do with us? Sometimes I think in the church, we forget that there's people watching us, that we're leading. It might be children. It might be other adults, kids watching us, friends watching us. And folks, listen, I've learned a lot in 42 years, and one of them is that you can, um, you can, you can fake it a lot of times, but the reality is people will know what we're talking about. And they will, they will want to know if we're living what we're saying um, out of our mouth. And so, and by the way, I just thought of this. The New Testament says that we all, if you're a Christian, we're all priests. Did you know that? We're all priests before the Lord God. We go to him on our own. We don't need somebody to go between us, only Jesus. Okay, so we're all priests in that sense. And the, and the Levites and the priests were appointed by God to stand before the people and to represent him. That's why I like Proverbs 24, 11, and 12. Rescue the perishing. Don't hesitate to step in and help. If you say, well, that's none of my business, will that get you off the hook? Well, what, is, uh, what are they saying? No. 
It won't get you off the hook. Folks, someone is watching us closely. People who are not impressed with our, our weak excuses. And to me, this is one of the verses that kind of grabs your conscience. Um, I was telling the first service about a pastor that I knew in the area here, and he was ministering here, started a church, and they got about so up to 75 or 80 people. And one of the men that had helped him start when they were just with 10 or 12 people said, when are you going to stop talking about bringing in new people? We got enough. You know, and I'm thinking they just don't understand that. Folks, when, when God plants a church, are you listening to this? When God plants a church, when God puts people inside that church, one of the things that we have to be careful about as you get older as a church is that we sometimes forget why we even exist as a church. And it's not, listen, it, it's not to, and I'm glad we have all these ministries. They're awesome ministries, and they brought in people, um, no doubt. But the primary thing that we're supposed to do is do the bidding of God. And that is to let people know about him as a personal savior. And whenever we forget that, that our business is turning the hearts of people, then we forget the purpose of being a church. And we need to, we need to regain that. And sometimes God says to us, just like he said to this lawyer, trying to justify himself to Jesus, hey, quit trying to intellectualize everything. I want, this is what I want you to feel in here. I want you to get it down here. So, you know people, and I know people who are spiritually dead. Amen? Not amen that that's good, but we know people who are spiritually dead. Um, and they've been wounded. Some of them in their marriage, they've, they feel like they've been abandoned. And if we're really going to be truthful, sometimes, folks, we have got to start acting the way the church was made to act. Does that make sense? All right, number three. You're awful quiet, so I'm not sure. That's why it worries me that, that I, you know, I, I studied too much on this. All right. Number three, people with radical compassion never forget to allow themselves to be emotionally and spiritually moved. To be emotionally and spiritually moved. Luke 10, 33. A certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Folks, the reality is that, you know, um, whenever I get around people whose hearts are broken, I, I've been asking the Lord, please reveal that to me. Please don't let me pass that by. You know, I was thinking about a, two weeks ago, I was having breakfast at a place in town, and as I was walking out, there was a man that stopped me, and he said, I just want you to pray for my wife. She's in hospice and not expected to live. And I said, well, didn't know him. He said, well, sure. So I sat across from him, grabbed his hand, and, and we prayed. Now, I'm just telling you that to tell you this, that I'm like a lot of you. Um, and that is, I like my space. Uh, on, on, in the morning, I like to get my newspaper and a cup of coffee and sit and read it and enjoy that. And I guess what I'm saying is a lot of times we don't want people in that 22 inches. Amen? I'm the only one, right? The rest of you just love people all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But Jesus is saying to one of the most brilliant men there, this lawyer, who knew Scripture, just what he's saying to me, and that is, Lord, you need a heart revolution. You need a, no more just going through the motions but it's got to be something from your heart. You know, the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. Because, folks, when God entrusts us, are you listening to this? 
when God entrusts us with the hearts of people, he is entrusting us to take them into the presence of Jesus Christ. If you know about the Old Testament, you know that Aaron was appointed a priest. He's the first one. When they, when they were in the wilderness building the uh, tabernacle, and God gave them specific details how to build a tabernacle. Then here's what I want Aaron to wear and his sons to wear. Here's what you're supposed to do. It was not just for God making up uh, an outfit. On Aaron, he had a kind of a vest, and he said, I want you to put, six, there'll be six, um, uh, not diamonds, but there'll be six jewels on each side, and there will be each name of every tribe. And Aaron, when you go into that Holy of Holies, you're carrying those people on your heart for me. And you know what? I thought, you know, that, that's, that is a good application. The Lord is doing that for us also. That we are, listen, um, maybe you're a parent today. Maybe you're not. And, I, you know, I'm, and I'm talking maybe about your, your kids and, and you carrying them over your heart into the presence of God. Amen? I mean, I believe it's that important. So, I mean, maybe someone's here today and you're burdened about your children, you're burdened about your marriage or your husband or your wife, and the Bible says, take them into the presence of God. Put them on your heart like Aaron was supposed to do. Number four, people who risk radical compassion. Are you with me? All right. They're willing to risk their reputation and their comfort zone. Their reputation and their comfort zone. When you read this, this whole story, you do know that the Samaritan was considered a half-breed. They weren't really in, they weren't really out. They weren't Jewish, they weren't, you know, they, they were a half-breed. And the fact that Jesus would use a Samaritan in this story would have been offensive to the Jews that were listening. They would not have liked that. The lawyer was a man that knew his birthright. He knew the birthright that he had uh, as a Jew. But a Samaritan, as I said, they weren't completely in, nor were they really completely out. So Jesus said, a certain Samaritan, in other words, somebody that you wouldn't expect to care is the one who cared. The ones that you would expect walked by on the other side. And it says that, they, of course, they weren't willing to risk their reputation. But this man took oil, his own oil, took his own wine. You say, why wine? Well, because it had alcohol in it. They poured that in the wounds to, to help healing. Got off of his own animal, put the man on his own animal. You know, I think the, if, we, if they were writing that today, the modern translation would say, he got off his high horse and started helping. Folks, are you listening to this? Risk is a form of love. Risk is a form of love. He takes the oil out, the wine out, and says, I'm going to use what I've got. I'm going to take the risk, no matter what somebody maybe see, is watching me to do. How many times, folks, do we come to church? And I'm not, you know, I just want to share this with you. And, and if the Lord would speak to your heart about it, so be it. And I know we're all of different personalities. I know that, you know, as to how we relate to other people. But how many times do we come to church and we don't even know the people that sit behind us or in front of us or to the left of us or to the right of us? We don't know anything about them. 
And because we're not really willing to take a risk. I want to tell you risk, risk a conversation, risk going up and saying, hey, I want to invite you to our small group. I want to invite you to our class or, or whatever it may be. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks, after all these years, and I, I saw it, I watched it through the 80s and the 90s when things started getting changing in churches, and I'm thankful for a lot of the changes. But I'm telling you right now, people who come into churches today, I don't think that they're very long impressed with the videos or the lights or the show or whatever. But do we care? Do we care? Number five, people with radical compassion never forget to use their resources to help others back to life. Never forget to use their resources. Luke 10, verse 35. So the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. I'll take care of his need. Put it on my tab because he can't pay you back. See, one day, and I hope this has happened to you, but one day it went from being, being a head knowledge to a hard experience. And I don't know why, but the Lord was speaking to me about this. And I just want to share with you what I, I, I kind of felt lying in, in bed, you know, thinking about the message so I'd get my mind off the pain. And I'm thinking about this. It was like the Lord, I didn't, I didn't hear a voice, but it was like going over this passage and thinking, you know, that Jesus said, Lord, I'm that Samaritan. I'm that Samaritan. The person I put on that horse was you. And when I take you into a church, the inn, that would be the inn, and the innkeeper is the pastor. And this, this is what I felt him saying. You know this from years of experience. It's going to cost to take care of people that God is rescuing. It's going to cost to take care of people that come into this church or that you bring to the church. And we've got to be willing to share whatever God has given us. And it's whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to restore marriages. Whatever it takes to restore our youth and, and our families. Because folks, Jesus said when I come back, and he is coming back. Then we need to be prepared and we need to be ready. To give, listen, to give what God made us to and give. Invest your time you know, in whatever finances you can give, but whatever it is to invest it in what God has called us to do as a church. And I just need to tell you this also. Um, everything that I said so far this morning, and I've jumped around a little bit, I know, but everything I've said requ requires one key element, and that is a heart change. There's got to be a change in the heart or we go home and we come back and it's the same old thing. Jesus said in one place in Matthew, remember this, that you cannot put new wine in old wineskins because the old wineskins, the new wine will ferment and burst them. Well, another interesting thing there, back in those days, they didn't throw away the wineskins uh, just because they may have started to leak. They would take that leather and they would put it in water and let it soak, take it out. And we're talking days now. They would put it back in the water and let it soak and back in the water. And what they would do is in order to make it vital again, they would stretch it in the exact opposite way. If it was stretched this way to begin with, they would stretch it this way with the new one. Do you know why they did that? 
Because left on its own, it wants to go right back to its normal position. And for you and me, if we don't have a heart change, if we don't let the Lord stretch us, we'll go out and we'll go right back to that same position. It takes a radical heart change. And I believe that God is telling us that today as a church. Let me change your heart so that we can change people. I think I'm going to ask you to bow with me right now. Maybe you've come today and your heart's been broken. Broken by other people, maybe even in a church. I don't know. I want to ask you to re-engage your heart. Some of you that maybe you've been here for a while, God needs you to recycle your heart again. There's more hearts to be changed. There's more lives to be turned around. And I'm going to close with this and then ask you to pray. A church is not a place where people are just socially accepted. It's not a country club for Christians to dwell with people of their own kind. A church is a hospital for the sick. A school that prepares them to impact their society for the Lord. And this is my declaration for us to love people back again. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, could, I could feel resistance in my spirit before I ever started. I know the enemy does not want us to grasp this, that we need to have radical compassion because it will change us and our society. I pray today that you'll do something in our lives. Now, would you pray if you haven't already? And all God's people said, amen. God bless y'all. Thank you so much. Um, doing good? Go have a good uh, lunch. And we hope to see you back Wednesday night and Sunday. God bless you.